the following takes place between... Oh, uh, when you start listening and when you stop listening. Hello and welcome to Mark Bites episode 24. 24, get it? See what I did there? <clears throat> get on with it. I'm Elaine Giles and I'm here with my co-host Mike Thomas. In this episode we'll be taking a look at toys of an adult nature, an iPhone camera problem, yes that was mine, and taking an in-depth look at some finder alternatives. We also have a competition to win some software, some great screen capturing software. But before all that, let's catch up from last week. And we heard from Stargate John, who has um, a very useful Quick Look plugin to view zip files, so he doesn't need the Stuff It Expander. It's called the Zip Quick Look plugin, and it's free, so we'll put the uh, URL for that in the show notes. Now, John also agreed that there's no way to change the places names in the sidebar of your finder um, without changing the folder name itself. Well, that was indeed true, but we found a way, so um, keep listening to find out how. And thanks to Chris Dodds for your complimentary words about the podcast. Chris has actually given us another screen sharing tool for the collection. I think we were discussing that in uh, episode 22. Log Me In from logmein.com. It works on a Mac. It works on a PC. He said it works well and there's a free version. Now, I've been tempted by that because I found a Log Me In iPhone app. But it wasn't one of these impulsive purchases because at 17.99, I've managed to restrain myself. Well, so far anyway. But I'd like to hear from anybody who's tried that. Uh, I'd love to hear some opinions on it. It gets very good reviews. And 17.99, I probably wouldn't think twice if it was for the Mac. But iPhone apps. So I'd love to hear if anybody's tried that. But moving on. iPhone faxing. Yes, I was quite excited this week. I spotted a fax application for the iPhone called iFax, which promised free unlimited faxing for the introductory price of five ninety nine for the application. That sounds interesting. I had a look, uh, but in all honesty, how many people still use a fax? And uh, it also only currently works with photos from the camera. So, you know, snapping a document and faxing, do you not think they come out small and unreadable? True, true. Well, the first part of that, I actually have clients that do still use faxes and um, I'd have thought at work for you faxing would be considered rather newfangled. Uh, we don't even have a fax machine. We have to go to the main building, so uh, maybe this could be the answer. See, I knew it would be new far too newfangled for you. Um, Stopping the document with the camera and faxing, yeah, I agree with you, especially on the 3G and not the 3GS, but... Um, before we even get that far, let's get back on point. Um, call me suspicious, but I thought, hmm, that sounds a bit too good to be true. So I checked the small print before splashing the cash, and my suspicions were indeed well-founded. Uh, you can only send faxes to US numbers, <laughs> which is a bit of a problem. And, and this one was weird. To prevent spam, developer's words, not mine, there's a limit that you can only send one fax to the same number every six hours, which might be reasonable, but you can send a fax to any number of different fax numbers as often as you like. Now, that sounds more like an accurate definition of spam to me. Mm. There was a comment on the developer's blog. Uh, it said, uh, it seems to take a very long time after handshake to send images. Still waiting after 10 minutes, connected finally after 11 minutes. The first image of an invoice is unreadable. It looked OK on the iPhone preview. Still waiting for the page three. A photo, 15 minutes and counting from the first handshake. However, he does go on and give some encouragement. Keep working on it. Great idea. Any plans for confirmation of the facts being sent successfully, uh, PDFs or OCR? 
yeah, so sounds like me, seemed like a good idea, but it sounds like one I'm going to leave alone right now. No iPhone faxing for me just yet. Uh, unless anybody out there has found a workable cost-effective alternative, in which case, please let me know. I would love to hear about it. I spotted a story this week that uh, Microsoft had edited one of its Laptop Hunter ads. Uh, Microsoft Airbrush's anti-Apple ad is what the uh, headline says. In the original version of this ad, it showed a young girl examining a 15-inch MacBook Pro. And the camera zoomed in on the book's price tag, which read $1,999. The problem is that the MacBook Pro was actually discontinued in early June and replaced by a better spec model for 1699 And in the new version, they've actually removed the price tag. It's nowhere to be seen. Hence oh, the, there's uh, a surprise. The airbrush comment. Yes, and while they were in Photoshop airbrushing, they seem to have mastered the clone tool as well. Did you see the plans for the new Microsoft stores? I did, and uh, with the Gory Bar concepts, uh, I hope they open one round here because I'll take you in and sit back and watch the fireworks. Really? And with all your Microsoft qualifications, I think that attendance should be compulsory. No, no, don't say that in public. Microsoft might do it and claim the idea was theirs all along. So um, swiftly moving on, Palm have re-engineered the Pre to sync with iTunes again. Yes, it looks like this one's going to run and run. Um, to be honest, as a fairly impartial observer, I just find it quite humorous. But if I was a Palm Pre user, I'd be worried. Uh, it seems I'd be playing the will it, won't it game every time I want to synchronise it. So um, not good news, I don't think. And I know just how frustrating it is when something that should work flawlessly doesn't. Yes, iPhone, I am looking at you. My iPhone's photo handling capabilities became um, balked is the only word for it this week for absolutely no good reason. Yeah, no reason apart from the over 1800 photos that you had on there. Well, yes, but even so, that's not the point. <laughs> Well, the existing photos were still on the phone and, and they were fine. I could view them and there was no problem at all. And I could take new photos as well. And that was no problem, apart from the fact that they just weren't added to the camera roll. Uh, nor could I see them anywhere else on the phone either, uh, with the single exception of, you know, the little thumbnail on the camera, which just shows the last image taken. I could see that, which um, didn't give me a great preview and wasn't really good for showing off the images either. Um... When I viewed the camera roll, it only showed the images up to when it stopped working correctly. Uh, the, but the count was correct. Um, it did include the new images I'd taken, so the count was right, but I couldn't actually view them. So I attached it to the computer and iPhoto could only see the images up to when it stopped working. So that wasn't very helpful either. So I thought, well, it can't just be me, or can it? Have I got an unreasonable amount of photos? So I googled and I found no, it happened to lots of other people as well. They'd had um, problems either the the same or very similar uh, had happened to them after the 3.0 upgrade. And it was happening repeatedly too. Time for a restore, which is what most people were suggesting. No, I was not going to be beaten by it. Um, seriously, I've never done a restore. Um, any issues, not even to test it, any issues I've had, I've worked through because I wanted to solve them. Um, to me, a restore is going to take however long it would take to restore and reconfigure it and put all the icons back. Plus the fact people who had said that they'd actually done that, the issue returned after they'd done their restore. Maybe not straight away, but it returned. So um, I wanted to figure out what the problem was and hopefully find a, a much quicker solution. So you weren't just playing tech then? No, it was serious work and research. 
Um, I fired up Phone View, which is from ecam.com, and it was included in the recent Mac Heist bundle, so um, people may well have a copy. And if you don't, it's $19.99 and it works on the touch as well. And what this enables you to do is actually see the contents of your iPhone and you can copy off anything you need. So in my case, I could copy off the photos that neither the iPhone nor iPhoto could see. So um, at that point, I'd done part one of the job. And all I'd really ever intended to do with PhoneView was use it to back up SMS messages. So um, it was handy to have it around. What I then did once I'd got a copy of the photos was I deleted all the photos and restarted the phone. Um, I, I'd guess that if it was the number of photos that was the problem, this would have fixed it. But no, it did the same thing. It was still happening, only now I was getting a message on the iPhone say, actually telling me I had no pictures in the camera roll and giving me instructions for how to take some. Thanks for that, really useful. Um, so the next step was to return to phone view and uh, take off the newly shot images, which I did. Um, this time, obviously, a bigger hammer was going to be needed to knock some sense into it. So I had a look round and PhoneView has this potentially dangerous option in the preferences called Open Entire Disk. And what it's talking about is the entire disk of your iPhone. So be warned and use it with caution or you will need that restore. But I elected to enable Open Entire Disk and um, the view changed to show me all the control files on the iPhone, as well as things like um, my photos and, and notes and, and all that other kind of stuff. So I was able to navigate down to the photos folder, which is um, just like a camera, a DCIM folder. And inside there was another set of folders, which were all image folders and a MISC folder containing the control files. So I'd had a look at one set of instructions from the Apple forum and it said delete the control files in the MISC folder. Now, personally, I couldn't see how that would work because the images would still have been there. They'd have been in the images folder that I wouldn't have deleted. And I thought, well, it would just orphan the images. You lose your control file, the images would still be there. And Lord alone knows what would have happened. So um, I gave it a go, but it didn't work correctly for me. So um, I had a look at the, the structure and I decided on a scorched earth policy. And I took the rather radical step of deleting everything inside the DCIM folder. So files, folders, the lot, it went. Brave of you. I know, very brave, but um, it appeared to work, but for one thing. My photos were absolutely fine. They appeared where they should appear in the camera roll. I could view them, preview them, the lot. But... Um, and I, I did this really just to test it. My screen captures that I took on the phone with the home and power off weren't showing at all. So I had um, the problem that I'd had previously with both images and screenshots. Now it was only happening with screenshots. So that it narrowed it down slightly, I suppose. But I figured what was needed was to do again to go back to phone view, delete all the files and folders within that DCIM folder and then reboot the phone. So I unplugged it at that point and rebooted it and it fixed the photo problem and the subsequent screenshot issue. So um, if this is a seemingly common problem with the OS3 update and it strikes you, there is an alternative to a restore and um, it must be quicker than a restore because once you know what you're doing and what you've got to do, it literally just took a few seconds and a reboot um, and it enabled me to back up the photos, which um would be quite important if they were all your, I mean, mine were test photos, but if they're, they're all your important images, it was the only way I found to get them off as well. Are you sure you didn't do all this in the name of research? Because it reminds me of our friend Stargate John, who did a remote wipe just to see if it worked and ended up bricking it. Oh, I do hope you mean bricking the phone and not just bricking it as it were. <laughs> of course. 
<laughs> yes, of course. No, I can assure you, um, I had no desire to go fiddling with the inner workings of my iPhone whatsoever. I would just prefer it to work. And um, talking of preferring things to work as expected, um, I do expect when I buy something from a retailer that the item in question is what I ordered. And um, no, this isn't the toys of an adult nature story. I was beginning to wonder that. No, no, it's my running with Amazon this week. Uh, as I'm sure I've mentioned, I'm an Amazon Prime customer and um, the delivery is fantastic. Um, I can order, I think I've ordered past six o'clock at night and I've had it here the following morning about half past eight. So um, rather than go to the Apple store in the rush hour and the holiday traffic, I ordered an Airport Extreme uh, late online on Friday night and it arrived first thing on Saturday via the fantastic CityLink service. So far, so good. That was actually the high point of the fiasco. It was all downhill after that. Uh, you'd imagine that purchasing from a retailer like Amazon, that when you open the box, someone wouldn't already have beaten you to it. But they certainly had. Yes, the outer packaging was intact because they tried that argument with me. The outer packaging was absolutely perfect. Um, but on the extreme, it certainly wasn't. Uh, it wasn't sealed. The manual pouch, the little white thing that's glued together at the top, had been opened. All the manuals were all over the place. Um, they'd all been pushed back in the wrong order with ripped pages and things. The power pack was covered in glue, um, which was off the plastic that covers it. And the cables could only be described as filthy and in a complete mess. There was no way Apple shipped it like that. I don't think I want to be the, on the end of a phone when you rang them. Indeed. Uh, let's cut to the chase and just say that a full refund has been made and an unreserved apology issued. Which, of course, is all very well, but I'm still airport extremeless. Mm, I sense an Apple Store visit coming up. What, for a better customer services experience? Hmm, best not make it the Trafford Centre then. And finally, as they say, or they used to say on News at 10, we couldn't not mention this fantastic story. Um, I thought it must be April the 1st. Yeah, me too. I was convinced of it when I read the uh, article. Yes, apparently not. And many websites reported this week that uh, O2 are to extend their brand, no sniggering please, to toys of an adult nature, in inverted commas. Yes, we want to keep the clean tag, don't we? Indeed. Um, it's been eventually been undertaken by O2's Head of Branding and Marketing Communications uh, and the shy branded products will be available in high-end outlets. High-end. That's what it said and no, we don't need any sniggering at that one either, thank you. Uh, according to the product website, in common with the Apple design ideology, and I'm quoting now, shy keeps function at the heart of its design. Gone are ugly buttons or switches. Shy introduces tap activation, which allows the user to tap once, twice or three times on the surface for their perfect performance. And a fourth tap to stop. Hmm. I'm not even going to start thinking about the logistics of all that, but I think we should put a link in the show notes to the story. Hmm. I'm wondering if it has growl support. So swiftly moving on to the second part of our Supercharging Your Finder series... <laughs> I refuse to be drawn on that one. Um, you're going to take a look at forklift for us, aren't you? I am, if I can stop snickering. Oh, shall we press pause and take a break? No, I don't think so. Carry on. No, we'll carry I shall on. sit back and enjoy it. I shall compose myself. So, what would make me pay for a file management application when Finder's already built into the operating system? Because it's the Shy brand? <clears throat> mm. 
It reminds me of uh, of the other week when we said, uh, why would anyone pay for, for screen capture tools when you have something built into the operating system? Uh, but, uh, you know, I'll give you quite a number of reasons as we go on. The main reason that I bought Forklift was actually for its dual pane view. Yeah, I know you can open multiple windows in Finder using the command key um, and as you double click on a drive or folder, uh, but I find it's messy. You end up with windows all over the screen. And uh, although you can have a single pane view uh, in Forklift, dual pane view is especially useful when moving or copying a large amount of files or just have the ability to compare files in two folders side by side. As a file manager, Forklift, well, manages files. So as you'd expect, it allows you to move, copy, delete, rename and open files. But that's only a tiny fraction of what it's capable of. If I start with the interface, uh, the sidebar, very much like you have in Finder, where Finder has uh, predefined headings, devices, shared places, uh, and you can drag and drop folders and files onto it. You can do that with Forklift, but you can also create your own sections, which they call groups on the sidebar. So I've created a group called Television um, for the folders that store my ITV programs and uh, ITV programs that I want to convert to M4V files and ITV programs that I've already converted. Um, and I've also created a folder called Regular Stuff. And I put in there things like my backup definitions folder because I run my uh, Chronosync backups uh, regularly and a home finance spreadsheet that I use on a regular basis. So I've got those things uh, easy to hand. And like Finder, the toolbar is also completely customizable, but uh, there are a lot more buttons. Now, I set this up on my iMac and then I thought I want to get those same uh, buttons and the same sidebar onto my uh, MacBook. So what I did is I actually used AppZapper to find where the plist file was, because when you use AppZapper, which is an application that lets you totally uh, remove an application rather than just going to the applications folder and dragging out the app file to the bin. Um, obviously, most applications have other supporting files, uh, plist, for example. So I used AppZapper to get a list of all the uh, files that uh, Forklist uses. And I found the plist file is in my username slash library slash preferences. And the file is called com dot binary nights that's n-i-g-h-t-s dot forklift dot plist so what i did is i backed up the plist file on my, on my laptop and then i copied the plist file from the imac over to the correct folder on the macbook and then i ran forklift and it was all set up exactly the same as on my imac However, initially selecting the folders and files on the sidebar that were actually pointing to files and folders on the desktop generated an error. But if I selected Bonjour from the favorites menu on Forklift and then selected the name of the machine, my iMac, that actually fixed it. That is an ingenious use of AppZapper. Mm. I'm impressed with that. Yeah. Forklift has also got, um, and I'll talk about it a bit, a bit more uh, in, a, in a while, but Forklift has also got app zapping uh, features. But I thought, you know, if I try and use that whilst Forklift is running, it may cause me all kind of problems. Having said that, I tried that later and it hasn't. But uh, other things that, uh, that you've got on the interface. 
Uh, there's a path bar, you know, the thing at the bottom on Finder that uh, shows you the path that you've navigated down. Absolutely. Uh, it's an option in Finder, isn't it? Yeah. And it's also um, it's also live. So you can actually click on the folders and navigate your way back up a, a, a navigation trail. Well, it's got the same thing in Forklift, but it has it at the top. Uh, we don't really want to open a, a top versus bottom debate again, do we? Oh, good grief. No, it'll only set gas off. And, to be honest, uh, I think it, I think it makes sense at the top um, when it's file management mm. because you may have a window open and you've only got three or four files. So if it's at the top, it's very close to where you're working, whereas if it's at the bottom, you may have to go down quite a way to find the thing to navigate with. So yeah. at the top makes sense to me. Yeah, good thinking. It also has a basic synchronisation which is not as fully featured as something like Chronosync. And I have a number of complex rules and exceptions that I have set up in Chronosync. So I don't think I may be making a great use of that feature. But nevertheless, you know, nice to have that feature in there. It is if people haven't got Chronosync and they have all your weird requirements. So I think it's quite useful to have that. Where it really comes into its own, as I said in the introduction, is the multi-pane facility. So you can flick between a single pane and a dual pane view. And uh, if you have it in a dual pane view, you can have um, different folders, which is probably what most people would want, um, so that you can use it for moving files. Now you can drag and drop from one folder to the other or from one pane to the other to move files but there's also a couple of buttons and a couple of menu commands so you can click the move button and you can click the copy button and by default that will move or copy the selected file or folder or files or folders to the other pane now if you just wanted to do a straight copy you can do an edit copy and edit move uh, and then you can go and find the target folder and do a paste so you have got that capability. You can also clone the pane. So uh, if you wanted to have the same um, folders displayed uh, in both panes, you can do that very quickly. And you can flip the panes. I know we were talking about this and, and the logic in your brain tends to be that you want to take stuff from the left to the right. Yeah, I always used to do that on um, Directory Opus that we talked about last week on Windows. And um, you could do all sorts with the views in that. It had um, pretty much all the things you've talked about so far. But the ability to flip the panes really helped my poor brain. I liked going left to right. Yeah, I mean, even even digressing slightly um, at work, I use front page. Oh, dear. <laughs> oh, dear. Mm. Oh, dear. <laughs> I know I shouldn't admit that, but, you know, corporate policy and all that. But you've just been upgraded, haven't you, to the, to the version from only five years ago as opposed to ten? Mm. I do have Dreamweaver, though. My word. But it's not the corporate standard. It's not, but I managed to blag a copy of it. Amazing. Along with the whole of CS3. Now, that was that was good. Anyone would think they, were, they wanted you to get some work done at last? We're digressing, and there is a point to this. Is there? Uh, Yes, there is. Um, if I don't want to actually publish the whole website, if I've only got a couple of files that I want to publish, then what I'll do is I'll actually open up our, our production site, our preview site, and I'll also open up our live site and I'll drag and drop the files. Uh, but I always like to have the pre-site on the left-hand side of my screen and drag from left to right. So it's, it's exactly the same idea in your brain. So if you happen to have, going back to Forklift, if you happen to have your From folder on the right and your 
target folder on the left, you can just go flip panes and it switches around. Yes, you wouldn't want to delete anything accidentally, would you? Let's not go there. No, let's not. Let's save that mm. for the outtake show. Yes. Like Safari, uh, you can actually have multiple tabs in Forklift. Um, so as well as having multiple panes, each pane can have multiple tabs. And you can have a different drive or folder displayed in each tab. So you can actually drag and drop files between the tabs to move or copy them or just simply organise your tabs. And you can even drag and drop the tabs between the panes. Now, there's a number of uh, view options as well. So you can actually choose to view invisible files, uh, which can be a, a great feature, as uh, you'll talk about shortly, um, where, where there's, there's times when you need to do that. And you can choose which columns you want to display as well. So you can choose to display the name and the size uh, and, and other, other columns as well, other attributes of the files. You've got the ability to do um, alternating background, which is shading the alternate rows, but you can't choose different colours. So you're stuck with what you've got. And something that I found was, was a nice feature is you can group folders on and off. So if you have group folders turned on, then the folders are actually listed always at the top, which is just like um, Finder. And if it's off, then you can actually have the folders listed according to the sorted column. So if you've got it alphabetical by name, then the folders are listed based on the name of the folder. They're in the right position alphabetically. There's a batch rename feature, which um, is very much like the uh, the thing we discussed last week, a better finder renamer, uh, but on a simpler level. It allows you to add and replace text for a file name or for an extension. It does things like changing the case and it even will allow you to add metadata as part of the file name. So you might want the file name to be the date and time of creation. Uh, you often see that in photographs, for example. There's a delete app feature, which is what I mentioned before. So an alternative to App Zapper. So uh, you go to your applications folder, you select an app and then you click the delete app button on the folder and it deletes the whole app for you. It moves it to the trash and then you can get it back if necessary. However, word of warning that if a folder name is highlighted and you select this command, then it lists all the apps from that folder. Now, when I say apps, it doesn't just mean a .app file. There's lots of other apps that uh, are on your system. Things like uh, the, the .com files and the plist files. And by default, they're all checked. So as soon as you click the move to trash button, then it will delete all the checked items. So word of warning for you. Another very useful feature is the ability to uh, split and combine files. So if you've got a very large file, you can split that file into smaller fragments of defined size, uh, predefined or custom. So it's useful for burning a large file onto a CD or a DVD. Use the combine command to recombine the fragments into a single file. Uh, and unless the file is recombined, it can't actually be used. So it's like the old zip files where it creates them into um, into smaller files, but then it has to be unzipped at the other end. 
So I, th I think it's really only useful for backup. Um, so if you had lots of photographs, for example, uh, and you wanted to, well, actually it wouldn't work with lots of photographs because it doesn't work with a folder or it doesn't work with multiple files. It only works with a single file. But conceptually, uh, if you had lots of photographs, you couldn't actually look at those photographs unless you combined it back. Uh, that used to happen to me a lot. You remember when email could only have very small attachments? Mm. People would fragment files for me and then send me the emails and... Most of the time, I was usually one fragment missing. And by then, they'd gone on holiday. And I was sat there with 20 fragments out of 23. And I needed the other pieces, and I had to wait. So I'm not a fan of fragmenting files, personally. It reminds me of the days of PK Zip on floppy disks. Yeah, that's exactly when, uh, it. You'd lose one disk, or one disk would be corrupt, and the whole thing was useless. Exactly. I, d I don't do any of that when I'm backing up. I don't put them into zip files or anything like that. I work on the principle, if I zip up a thousand um, image files, then I'm going to lose the lot. Whereas if I just burn them as they are, as single image files, I may lose one or two. Yeah, at least with something like WinZip, you know, you can extract individual files and you you don't have the problems that we just talked about. Mm. There's uh, other things you've got in um, in Forklift as well. It allows you to connect to remote servers, uh, FTP, SFTP, WebDAV and Amazon S3, as well as Bluetooth devices. And you've got what they call an FXP copy command, which allows you to copy files from one FTP site to another without first downloading to your hard drive and then re-uploading. That's a cool feature. It is. I actually tried it. What I did is I connected to two of our websites and uh, we've built applications um, and I changed the file in one of them. And because the application is exactly the same on the other website, which was in a, a separate pane, then I just dragged and dropped over. Well, I used the FXP copy command and it just copied it over. So, you know, it saves you a little bit of time mm. having to download it and re-upload it. Now, one thing for you here, uh, this application is Growl enabled. Oh, wow. Of course, if I was getting Growl messages while I'm on the prowl um, from my file manager, I'd be more than a little concerned that somebody was playing with my machine. Mm. Nice security feature. Yeah. It's got quick look uh, and you can either do it through the conventional uh, finder method of the space bar, uh, but there's also a button and a menu command and it works exactly the same way as finder. You can actually create new files as well uh, with Forklift, but you're limited to text only. So you can go to File, New File, and it gives you a file called untitled.txt, which reminds me of, uh, it was a plugin for Finder we once used, wasn't it? Which uh, worked on a right click. Yes, I didn't use that because I, I don't like having files saved that are zero bytes because I've had problems where it writes the file and then I can't delete it. Um, because there's nothing in it. So uh, I wasn't a fan of that, but I think you used it. Yeah, I think it's from my early switching days when I was um, you know, used to doing right-click uh, on the Windows desktop and choosing new text document or whatever. But there was a plugin to do it, so uh, we should find the URL for that if it's still mm. about. It can also copy the URL to the clipboard. So if you selected a file you can issue the command to copy the URL to the clipboard uh, and then paste it into an application. It's got keyboard shortcuts, which can be customised. So I've customised a few. Uh, I think I've done Alt-C for the clone uh, panes. And I did, uh, I think I did Alt and F for something. I've forgotten what I used, but uh, 
I think just switching to uh, oh, flip panes that was it alt and f for, for flip panes uh, just th those commands that I use regularly there's a get info panel so uh, like finder you've got the headings are displayed down the left hand side in a column and the information to the right but um, the column that displays the field names isn't wide enough so what you've got to do is you've got to hover your mouse over the label and it brings up a little tooltip to tell you what that particular piece of information is. Now some of them are, are self-explanatory like the number of pixels wide and the number of pixels uh, tall or the, the date of creation but there's other things that you just can't make out because the it truncates the label to actually tell you what that particular uh, piece of metadata is. There are some uh, pieces of metadata that Finder doesn't display things like is the file invisible yes or no uh, and also another downside is there's no way to enter or edit spotlight comments. Whoa, that's a bad one. Mm, I know that's one that uh, that you picked up. Mm. But uh, I think all in all, for $20, uh, it is a, a good application. Uh, and as I said, it's from binarynights.com. That's N-I-G-H-T-S. So that is my look at Forklift, an alternative to Finder. Yep, I started off with um, my first finder replacement was also forklift because like you, I wanted that dual pane view that I had had in directory opus. Um, but I moved on and uh, my file manager of choice is Pathfinder from CocoTech, which has been on uh, Maxot offer this weekend. So sadly, um, it will have gone off by the time the um, podcast is released. But I did tweet it out a couple of times. So uh, hopefully a few of you managed to get it for a very good price. Its price is actually thirty nine ninety five dollars. Um, if, when it's at full price. So um, like you, I'll start with the interface, which um, is the most configurable interface I have ever seen. It has all the same views as Finder, so you can view as icons, um, you can view as a list or that three column thing that I don't like at all. Uh, but it's got much more as well. It works in either a single or a dual pane view. And either of those views are comprised of zones. And zones are just parts of the interface or panels that you can turn on or off. So you can have it a very basic window, pretty similar to a finder window. Um, or you can have lots of these zones showing. Now, the thing with the zones is rather than just turning on, say, um, the sidebar and, and having an option to either see it or not see it, um, you can configure each of the zones to contain any of a range of modules. So zones are part of the interface and zones contain modules. This is easier than it sounds. Should, should do a video show, shouldn't we? Mm. Um, the information types that are available in these modules, there's a lot of them. Um, some of them don't sound too useful to start with until you realise what they actually do. So um, in no particular order, you can have modules that are sidebars, um, attributes, cover flow. So there are, think of them as all different views um, of information uh, appertaining to the file that's selected. So hex view, info. There's an iTunes browser. You can view the permissions of a file. Uh, you can preview the file. You can view processes, recent documents, recent folders, selection path, shelf, the size of the file or folder. There's a subversion module and a terminal module. So really, any information that you could wish to see about files can be displayed pretty much anywhere you prefer. 
Um, so much so that any of those modules can be displayed in a float over window as well. So um, a HUD from the window menu. So um, if you always have, as I do, um, I have info displayed, but you'd like to preview because you're working with some images, then you can actually choose to open the preview option and have it float above the um, window as well. So uh, that, that is just completely configurable. Now, few highlights have been able to configure the interface in such a way. Well, it supports two cover flow windows. So if you do have the dual pane view, you can elect to have a cover flow window attached to each one. Uh, rather than just having one at the bottom and then constantly having to flick between the, the two panes. You can also have two preview panels and two info panels. Now, I'd wanted two info panels for a while, and um, the only option I could find was to enable two preview panels. And what that gives you is, in your dual pane view, you can have a preview at the bottom, and as you click a file on the left, it previews on the bottom on the left, and as you click on the right, that file previews in the bottom on the right. So you can do a comparison of photographs or something. But what I wanted was to have two info panels, each of which was linked to either the right or the left panel. Um, and the option in preferences to enable that is actually called um, preview. So it doesn't mention the information panels. Uh, but when I enabled it, uh, I got two information panels and each one was attached to where I wanted it. So um, the preferences are also extensive and be aware they're not always particularly clear uh, what it actually does. You also have two additional drawers. Um, remember, I'm sure you will, iCal. And that lovely info fly out on the right. Let's not go there. Oh, I'm reminiscing now. I love that. Love that. Hate that new bubble. Um, yes, the, the, the panels that used to fly out from underneath the drawer things um, that are, they actually look pretty dated now, don't they? But um, Pathfinder has two of these additional drawers and that gives you five more areas or zones um, where you can display the module modules of your choice. So, um, amazingly configurable. Um, you can't add user-defined groups to the sidebar like you can in um, your one. I'm going to get the wrong name, aren't forklift. I? Forklift. Forklift. Right, there you go. Didn't notice that, did you? Forklift. Um, but there's two points about the fact that you can't do that. Um, point one, you can have, which you can't have in forklift, multiple sidebars, which is a great feature and more useful than it sounds. You can actually, with your sidebar, elect to have two sidebars, one that's your standard sidebar, another one which, um, let's say, only shows you your backup drives. So it doesn't show you certain drives, which would be great as a sort of um, parental control thing where I could take away all the drives. Yeah, that would work for me. So um, you can do that with multiple sidebars. So I think that's really, really cool. There's also another concept called a shelf, which kind of offers similar functionality to a sidebar um, in that you can put sort of shortcuts to locations on a shelf. Now, the shelf in the old version used to be sort of over where the sidebar is, whereas now it's a module, so you can put it anywhere. So a shelf is a user configurable list of locations on your hard drive or your network and you can have multiple shelves so you can switch between them. Now I love that feature and I was playing around with that feature and that was when I found the workaround for having a different name in the list than the folder has. That was the one that John commented on last week. He couldn't find a way either. Um, it's a bit convoluted and it does only work in Pathfinder but it does work. Right, what you've got to do is you've got to locate the folder that you want to add to the shelf. 
So let's say you have um, a folder called, for whatever reason, BBB, and you would like it to be called AAA um, when it's in your sidebar. Find the folder, change the name of the folder, so in this case from BBB to AAA, drag and drop that folder onto the shelf and you will get a shortcut called AAA. Then go back to the folder and rename it. So rename the folder back to BBB and you're done. So um, the only thing to remember if you're going to do something like that is that for some folders you might need to quit your open apps first. So for instance if you're trying to, um, your ITV archive if you have an ITV must be called ITV archive. If, if it isn't called that it recreates one for you. So um, I've got more than one ITV or more than one machine and thus I have more than one ITV archive. If I was dragging and dropping those in Finder I'd have to remember which one was at the top and what order they were in. So uh, what I'd have to do is rename the ITV archive to what I want to name it and then add it to the shelf then go back and rename it but obviously to do that I can't do that while the ITV is running or it really would get excited but uh, apart from that one caveat that works and it works really well and I love the fact that you can have multiple shelves you're not just limited to the space that you have you can flick between them that's a really good workaround. Yep, it's a shame it won't work on the Finder. And believe me, I did try, like John, every which way, and it wasn't having it. Um, but seeing as I, I pretty much more often than not use Pathfinder, um, I'm happy that I found a way to do it in Pathfinder because I hadn't really bothered doing that. I just assumed it wouldn't. You mentioned that um, the sidebar um, in Forklift, note, I remember the name that time, um, that the sidebar was user configurable so you could add your own groups uh, but one of the problems with that is it doesn't link in with the sidebar in finder does it it doesn't so uh, one of the problems used to be with pathfinder and it annoyed me intensely you have a sidebar in finder and you have a sidebar in pathfinder and the two were completely separate so if i added any shortcuts in finder they didn't ripple through to pathfinder i had to go and add them there as well well now they do so your places in finder and your places in pathfinder um, are bi-directionally updated so um, that's a really good feature as well and now as you mentioned toolbar is completely customizable so mine's set up uh, very similar to how i have finder with all my graphics applications listed so i can choose which one to drag and drop a file to um, unlike Mike with um, Forklift, you can use the same app zapper method to locate the preferences files and transfer them because um, there's a lot of customization you can do, a real big lot. So um, I was thinking just like Mike, I was looking in, in the interface for an option that was a one click back up all my settings because um, if you're installing a new operating system or you're transferring machines to set it up from scratch, you're bound to forget something, it'll drive you mad. So um, I looked for the option, couldn't find it and uh, decided to uh, go down the app zapper and plist route and I tried it and it works it works very very well so and um, proceed with caution but it worked for me Pathfinder has that path bar too and um, you have the choice which was the winner in our poll wasn't it of where the tab should be give us a choice and um, in here you have a choice you can choose to display it at the top of the pane or the bottom and uh, like I said I have it at the bottom in finder and the top in Pathfinder and I don't find that weird at all I don't know why maybe it's me that's weird but there you go. And um, it also supports multiple tabs in each pane. So you get a kind of three dimensional thing, multiple tabs and two panes. 
You can drag and drop the tabs into any order you want within the pane, but what you can't do is transfer them from side to side nor can you switch the panes from left to right. Now that's a feature I'd really appreciate because as Mike said, mentally I'm moving from the left to the right. So uh, if they could implement that, I would really, really appreciate that. Um, you can, however, save the open tabs as a set. So what you could do is, a little bit long-winded, but you could do it, you could save the tabs that you've got on the right, save the tabs you've got on the left, and then go in and switch them around. You could open up the tabs from the right on the left and open up the tabs on the left from the right. Um, but the, I mean, the proper use for that feature is if you are constantly working with a set of tabs, the good news is that you can save them. Um, I don't think you can do that with forklift, can you? You can't, now. No, I think limitation. it opens up it opens up the tabs you originally had open the last time you were using it. But that's it, isn't it? It is. It doesn't go any further than that. Right, uh, the view options. Yes, you've got that toggle to view invisible files on and off, which uh, I actually find useful. I, I've been given some support um, advice from various companies and it usually involves showing invisibles and then sending them the file. And uh, they either give me... Um, a link to one of these um, tinker type tools where you can turn the invisibles on and off or you can use a terminal command but it's actually far quicker to just go into Pathfinder and toggle them on and off from the menu. Uh, you can also select which columns are displayed in the views and um, the extensive customization extends to colouring the alternative lines as well which you mentioned as well and I turn that on. Um, the advantage in Pathfinder is that you can take that customization so much further. Um, you can choose to have the alternate lines in only specific folders. You can set up these preferences on a folder by folder basis. Um, and you can also take it much further as well. For instance, turning the icons off in list view. Um, I had a look at that option and I thought, oh, it makes it look strange. It makes it look more DOS-like. So there is literally no icon at all for any of the files or folders. It just gives you a text-based view. Now, that's what I call customization. All of that can be done on a folder-by-folder -folder basis. It also has built-in support for archiving. Um, it has the Stuffit engine built into it, so it can handle myriad compression formats, anything you can think of. It also has built-in disk burning support, so um, I'm usually locating what I want to burn in Pathfinder anyway. So rather than then have to um, open up Toast or Burn or anything else, I can literally just select the files and click a button that I've put on the toolbar to burn them, and that's all there is to it. Just give the disk a name and away it goes. Sadly, it's not growl enabled, but to be honest, I didn't really miss it and I hadn't even noticed until I was comparing it with Forklift. So that's one thing Forklift has that um, Pathfinder doesn't. But like Forklift, it also supports Quick Look. It's got completely customizable shortcut keys to the nth degree, which I appreciate. Um, I haven't actually changed any of them because they're pretty logical, but um, I appreciate the fact that that's there. I could certainly add things in if I wanted to. And you mentioned that you could copy the URL of a file to the clipboard. I did. You did. Uh, but not just in one way can you do this in Pathfinder. You have six different format options, most of which I doubt people would be in the slightest bit interested in ever using, but the options are there if you need them. One way is enough for me. True, but if it's not the right way, then you'd benefit from Pathfinder. So um, you have six different options to do that. 
But it does a lot more than forklift in other ways as well. Um, in addition to the built-in burning and the archiving options, it also has its own fully functional text editor built in as well. And you can elect whether to use that text editor to um, edit the files that you open from Pathfinder, irrespective of their creator code. It doesn't affect the creator code. It just means that every time you double click on a text file, it will open in the Pathfinder text editor. And it's actually very fully featured. So um, I quite like that and it opens very, very quickly probably opens faster than the original application um, and while we're at what it's got in terms of extra applications built in it also has a great image editor built in um, it can do things like cropping and uh, even basic image edits um, in terms of colors and things but you've got to check out the rotation tool it is amazingly cool so um, that's a good addition as well and again you can choose whether um, all images open with that or not what I tend to do I've said yes use the Pathfinder image editor um, because if I want to open the file in what it was created in or say uh, Photoshop or fireworks I drag and drop it up to the icon on the toolbar anyway so um, just for quick edits um, I do use that and it works very very well you can also create disk images from uh, straight within Pathfinder which I have done as well I think the other way to do that I've done it is um, go to the disk utility and um, that takes an age to think about things and whatever so it's very quick um, the trash handling is amazing. Uh, you don't even think about this un until you actually look at the options, but it can handle trash on a per drive basis and you have an option to securely empty the trash as well. Um, there's even an option to have um, a trash can on the desktop. So um, pretty much like the recycle bin in Windows. And yes, it can be turned off. Um, now to turn it off, you actually right click it and select not to display it. I spent a long time looking for the option in the preferences for that. And it's not in there. You actually right click on the bin and get rid of it. But as I suppose some people might like it there. I, I didn't, so I got rid of it. It also has a process manager, which um, I thought processes. Oh, that'll be um, activity monitor and things. And it's not. Um, I think that could be better named. It behaves like an application switcher. So you can switch to any application, any open application, by clicking its name in the list. Um, or you can choose to close an application by just clicking the cross next to its name. So you don't even have to bring the application back to quit it. So I, I really like that feature when I realised that uh, it wasn't managing processes, it, it was actually an application switcher. It's got a launcher built into it as well, uh, similar in concept to LaunchBar or Quicksilver. So um, you can launch your applications by uh, opening up the launcher and just start typing the name and um, it works very, very similar. Subversion, as I mentioned, uh, as a module is integrated, so nice for coders. One click access to Subversion and a multiple tab terminal window for geeks as well. Um, that pops out at the bottom and you can have multiple tabs open to your terminal. So um, that's definitely one for geeks, I think, isn't it? Do you venture into the terminal much? I don't, no. I'll try and keep away from it. Yep, not unless you absolutely have to. <laughs> right, so more, more, uh, uh, more um, well, a less technical feature that I think more people find useful is the drop stack. And um, if you've ever used Word, and I, do you know, I reckon a lot of people have used Word and they've never heard of the spike. The spike was one of those features that I don't think ever reached its full potential, did it? No, I remember it well. I didn't. I, I loathe trying to explain it because um, there was no interface to it or anything, was there? What the drop stack does, which is like a spike, is um, if you imagine going around and collecting files and putting them on said spike. So think physical spike, think little paper notes to collect your files and folders. So as you navigate around your file system, you um, just drag and drop these files and folders to the drop stack. 
And then once you've got them on there, they can be copied or moved or burnt as a group of files. So really it's an alternative to making temporary copies, which I am a menace for doing. When I've got to burn things from different folders, I tend to make a temporary folder and then I copy the files to that temporary folder and then I burn it, and then I forget that I've got them elsewhere, and then I put them in a to-be-filed pile, and um, it all goes terribly wrong. So that is a really good way of uh, not having to move them in the first place. You go around and collect them, and then treat them as a group. So a um, good, good feature there. The right-click menu is completely configurable as well. So if you're never going to use Open in Terminal, as we've said, then you can remove it uh, and you can add something better that you uh, would probably use more. I noticed that Open in Terminal was there, but Move to Trash wasn't. So um, I decided to add Move to Trash. So that's an example of uh, what you can add. Now, a whole new feature as well. There is a bookmark bar in Pathfinder and it acts like the bookmark bar in your web browser. You can add files and folders and either open the file or navigate the whole folder hierarchy right from that bookmark bar. So I've made, um, I've added the folder from my backup drive. I have um, a backup drive, I have a backup folder on the backup drive for each year and within that each month and within each month each day. Oh, how organised am I? So what I do is I add the current month to that bookmark bar and when I want to go down to the folder for today or any particular date, um, I just click on the month and up pops a list of all the folders that are in that folder as well. So I click on the day I want and it navigates straight there. You can also, with various shortcut key combinations, open that in a new tab or even a new window. So um, I find that incredibly useful. And obviously the bookmark bar can be the entire width of your Pathfinder window. So on my 24-inch uh, monitor, I can see quite a lot and I can add quite a few folders to there. So it makes working with it very, very fast. Now you mentioned, um, you didn't call it smart sorting, but you said you could change where the folders were displayed. Well, in Pathfinder, um, what you have is it ships with smart sorting enabled. So like Forklift, you can elect to show the folders first if you prefer. So if you're moving from Windows, that used to get me every single time. Um, I was looking for the folders at the top and then the folders were all mingled in with the files and it drove me mad. Now it actually drives me mad the other way around. When I'm on a Windows machine, and Mike will um, be sniggering, no doubt, at the thought of that, as I was doing it the other day and the air was blue, I, I was looking for my files alphabetically and the folders were all at the top and I thought I'd lost one. So I'd now appreciate the option in Windows, but it's not there. So dear me. So um, you can really decide how you have... Um, your whole file list listed. Um, there's more than just having the folders at the top. You can have packages displayed separately um, and it's just completely, completely configurable. And the whole thing can be turned on or off as required. So uh, it's just a one click to turn the whole thing off and have it displaying as Finder would display it. So um, I find that very, very useful as well. And I think we touched last week on using colours and saying it was a bit of a problem that, you know, you had to remember what they were, or you had to change the labels. And even when they were coloured, you couldn't really do too much with them. Um, but Pathfinder makes using colours or labels a much bigger benefit because you can use the labels to sort or filter the results without having to waste space and display that as an extra column. 
Um, in Finder, we found that you could sort with it, but you had to display it as a column and um, you don't have to do that in Pathfinder. So you can leave the things hidden. I mean, obviously, you can see what label you've got attached because the files would be coloured and um, it can filter and sort based on that. So um, I'm trying to use colours in a more meaningful way and um, using Pathfinder to help me do that. And talking of filtering, there is a text box in the top right corner of the toolbar that is just a stroke of genius. Um, it filters the active window, which is what I thought Spotlight would do when I first got my Mac. Um, I saw that um, option that you get in Finder um, and little magnifying glass next to it and I thought oh I shall filter my files and it doesn't do that at all. So um, stroke of genius that, that uh, that's exactly what it does. So it's fantastic for making a quick selection and it doesn't do the um, in the unintelligent thing, which is uh, only look at the beginning of the file name. If you have the word iPhone in anywhere in a file name, it will include that as a filter. So it doesn't matter whether it's um, iPhone news or news for the iPhone. It will find both files. So um, really worth giving that one a go. It's not Spotlight. So I don't know how many people who've got Pathfinder miss that um, and think it is Spotlight and it's not. So it's a, it's a filter and it's very, very good. And uh, you can make selections based on, uh, I mean, obviously that's, that's a quick way to select. But if you want to get uh, down and dirty with making a selection, you can make a selection based on a range of criteria in the select dialog box, which I think it's best accessed if you have a toolbar button for it and I do believe it, it's there by default. And you can choose to uh, make a selection based on the name, the part of a name, the file extension, the type, the creator, the label, the kind, the date. You get the idea of virtually anything you can make a very intelligent selection with. And once you've got your selection and you've got your files there, um, there is a huge built-in range of reports to create printouts. So if what you want is a file listing, it's really easy to create. Um, the reports actually produce not just um, a very good report, it actually gives you the information in about four different ways. So if I came to print out a list of files, I'd get them listed in four different ways. I'd get just the file names, I'd get the file names with the path, I would get the old file colon slash 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 links. There's even an option to make uh, the links active. So from that list, you can click um, one of the links and it takes, you know, it opens the file or it takes you to um, the folder that you've clicked on. So the reports are incredibly, incredibly powerful. And um, there's also another search box, uh, a dialog box, and that can be used in place of Spotlight and it allows you to narrow down your search before you run it. So maybe you know the file that you're looking for is on one of two drives, but you don't want Spotlight to be searching all your attached drives. And if you've got as many as me, you definitely don't. Um, so you can narrow down the search before you actually tell it to go away and search. So um, that, that's amazingly good as well. And the results of the searches can be burnt straight from the search dialog. So when you've found all the files you want, say you're looking for all your Dev and Think files, which is something I do frequently to uh, back them up, and they're all in different places, um, rather than having to have a smart folder or something like that, you can quickly run a search for them and then just click the burn button and uh, you're away burning. So that's probably enough, but believe me, it's not everything. Um, I've got to leave you with something fantastic to discover yourself, haven't I? So have I persuaded you yet, Mike? Yeah, it does sound a fantastic tool, but I was put off by the previous version being really slow, uh, both in loading up and in general use. 
Well, to be honest, I found it the same way, but um, good news is it's much faster on Leopard. You were probably using version four. This is version five now ready for Leopard. So you're not getting away with it that easily. It's fine now. So uh, anything else? Yeah. Does it support FTP? Oh dear, there's always one, isn't there? Um, well, no, but yes, I've got a better solution for that. Um, it's called Expand Drive, and I think we should take a look at that next week. It is um, exactly what you need, believe me, trust me. I look forward to it. So that was uh, Pathfinder and all its advanced features, of which there are plenty. And uh, you can get that from cocotech.com. So we'll put the address in the show notes. And I'm pretty sure with it being on an offer this weekend, that quite a few people will have um, bitten the bullet and purchased the thing. In which case, do let us know how you're getting on with it. We would love to uh, hear from you. Now, thanks to everyone who provided us with feedback. It was great to hear from Jane again, um, who said there was so much to learn in last week's episode, she wore out the 30-second rewind button on her iPhone, which is never good, Jane. Uh, what you really need is a tap-activated one. No, I don't want to go there again, do I? No. <sighs> well, good to hear from Jane anyway. We'll try not to do that again, but um, I've just had a thought about going over Pathfinder. I, I bet by the time she gets to this stage, she's done the same again, hasn't she? Do let us know, Jane, if you've worn it out. On to events. The next MacBytes live event is this Thursday, 30th of July, when we are discussing how to be an email ninja, the secrets of Inbox Zero, a topic that several of our followers have expressed an interest in learning. Uh, if you go to macbytes.co.uk slash live at uh, 8 o'clock in the evening on the 30th of July, or just before, because our chat room will be open. We'll be chatting by, by then. Quarter two then, uh, yes, you can join in the fun. Uh, if you go to digital-iq.co.uk for more details of this event and all our other events. I'll be glad when Thursday comes because um, I'll be able to delete all the spam I've collected for demo purposes. And believe me, there is a lot of it. It's driving me insane not being able to delete it. But as promised last week, we have a competition, a competition to win a copy of Voila from Global Delight. Um, it was John that mentioned Voila after our recent look at image capturing programs. Well, Voila allows you to capture anything on your desktop. You can capture from your eyesight camera. You can capture a web page, either the whole of it or just part of it. And then the snaps that you've taken can be annotated, edited and enhanced all within Voila which has got lots of options and uh, once you've done all that you can share the images via the built-in Flickr support and it's also got FTP support as well so um, we will be taking a long look at that um, in a blog post that I will write I will be doing um, a comprehensive review of it and putting it up on the site uh, sometime this week so keep your eye on that but to win a copy what is it that you have to do? Download the trial version of Voila from globaldelight.com, test it out and tell us what feature you find most useful and what you'd use it for. Cool. So add your entry to the link in the show notes, which is going to link to the upcoming full review later in the week. I will also tweet that out so you know it's there. Um, but the actual post will be there straight away. So even though the, the, the whole review won't be, please feel free to add your comments straight away. Yeah, the closing date, we thought we'd give you a couple of weeks for this, is Saturday the 8th of August. Thank you for that. Well, that's it for for this episode of MacBytes. An eventful recording behind the scenes, for which you're going to have to wait for the outtakes for the Christmas special to hear all about, by which time I might have calmed down. Yes, we really nearly didn't have a show this week, did we? Very nearly. 
Yes, I think Lee said about that, the better. Mm. Mm, yes, I'm not uh, uh, allocating blame, of course, but it wasn't me. Right, as always, we would love to hear from you, so please send your questions, comments, queries by email to macbytes at um, macbytesuk at gmail.com or even send us an audio file. And as some of you have found out, because uh, we have had um, comments returned this way, so it's working well, we now have a contact form on the website. So um, that's another way to let us know what you think. And you can keep up to date with what we're doing via the website at macbytes.co.uk. So look out for that review this week. And on Twitter at twitter.com slash macbytes. You can follow me personally on Twitter at twitter.com slash Elaine Giles. And you can follow me at twitter.com slash Thomas Mike. So until next time, this has been Elena Mike bringing you MacBytes. Goodbye and see you next time. Goodbye.